0: We're beginning a series here on We Do This For Fun, where we talk to the organizers of some of the most iconic winter events in the Twin Cities metro area. You'll notice a thread. Yes, they are festive, inclusive, and fun, all about celebrating and embracing our winter culture. But there's an underlying theme, climate. These leaders talk explicitly about the planning process, the collaborations, the connections, and the challenges, one of the biggest being climate change. Each of these events has had to make accommodations for warmer weather that's changing the way we experience the outdoors in Minnesota. Please take a listen, and we challenge you to make one small or big change to help us keep the north cold. Snow forts and sledding are rites of passage here in Minnesota. Let's not let them become obsolete. Coming to you from Minneapolis, Minnesota. A conversation about the great and sometimes not so great outdoors. I'm your host, Lynn Melling. And I'm Jody Gruen. And we do this for fun. Hi, it's Jody. Okay, the Great Northern Festival. If you're looking for an event that will warm your heart, stimulate your brain, invigorate your body, and satiate your appetite... This event is for you. I sat down with development director Nina Graham, whose hope is that you'll come out and celebrate our winter culture, that you'll get curious and explore and maybe even try something new. There really is something for everyone. You'll find music and performance events, film screenings, gallery shows, public art installations, live interviews and talks. There are dance parties, dinner parties, hockey tournaments, and tons of events for kids. And listeners, there's a sauna village Yes, Asana Village. In fact, you can use the We Do This For Fun promo code, Fun" to get $10 off your sauna experience. I'll be there. You should be, too. Hi, Nina. Hey, Jody, How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? I'm great. It's such a pleasure to have you here. I have so many questions for you. Um, just given your role in what we're about to discuss today and your profession, and I imagine that a person like you given you know what you're doing as it for a job has like a very intense passion for the outdoors. Um, can you tell me a little bit about what you do outside?
1: Yeah, so I actually would not call myself an outdoors person. I'm a very much an indoors person and my winter sports are knitting and sewing. But through this festival, I have really discovered the outdoors um, in a big way. I purchased my first pair of snow pants last year before um, the first festival that I took part of as A staff person um, and have been enjoying it much more than I would have otherwise. Um, we had a speaker during our festival last year named Carrie Leibovitz who um, uh, did a bunch of research in Trom Norway, which is one of the areas of the world that gets the least amount of sunlight. Mm. And she did research in Tromso Norway, which is one of the places on earth that gets the least amount of sunlight. But the people there have some of the highest rates of happiness. And she wanted yeah. to figure out why that was. And she discovered that it was the amount of time that they spent outdoors every single day. Um, and we actually have a podcast on on our uh, site that you can listen to um, where she kind of talks about the importance of getting outside every day and getting fresh air. Um, and that really inspired me to get outdoors more often in winter her. Um, the other experience that I had just within this past year is, um, I went up to wild rice retreat in Bayfield, Wisconsin, um, right after last year's festival. Yeah. And they're now one of our sponsors, which is great. Um, and you know, the, the whole vibe there is about embracing nature um slowing down enjoying what nature gives us um and I think that was very like inspiring to me as well and in, in trying to figure out my place within the outdoors
0: yeah so understanding yeah f- finding the place that really speaks to you or calls to you mm-hmm. I listened to that podcast was that with Anthony Taylor it was yeah yeah that's a great podcast and he is I don't know. I, I I had reached out to her actually after I listened to that podcast because I thought it was so great. And then I also expressed that I have a crush on Anthony Taylor um, oh, as a human being because he's so amazing. And I think he's yeah. just such an icon here in Minnesota and Minneapolis in particular, and just doing such great work. Um, oh, no. So do you have a favorite outdoor space? Um, like, a, you know, you mentioned the Wild Rice Retreat Center, yes. but is there any place that you know, is near and dear to your heart that you've experienced time and time again that really calls to you.
1: Yeah, so I grew up in Duluth and um, spent a lot of my childhood going down to Lake Superior, um, and the lake just featured prominently in all my memories of Duluth because um, you know I grew up on the hillside, and and no matter where you are, you can you can see the lake, and it changes every day, um, and it really um, you know it's it's I call Duluth San Francisco of the North because it's got mm-hmm. that you know great hill and and the beautiful water um so you know being being on the shores of Lake Superior is very calming and relaxing for me. um My husband and I moved out to Woodbury a couple of years ago, and whenever we are able to get a babysitter for the kids, we like to go take a hike in um Afton State Park, which is yeah. close to us um and then i you know i just I just like going for walks along the trails in Woodbury. There's a lot of really great trail systems here, so
0: yeah, yeah you're lucky to live out there. Yeah. Um, Afton is such a great park, too, for people who want to just get out and give something a try, like if it yeah. is just a hike or just a quick overnight. They have yurts there, too, that are really fun. Oh. We did that as a family with another family once. It was, it was really fun. That's
1: great. I did yeah, that.
0: <laughs> highly recommend. Um, okay, so so first of all, why don't you tell us what it is that you are working on and tell us how exactly this is coming together and, you know, kind of the mission and the vision and you know, just tell us about it.
1: Sure. Yeah. So, um, the great Northern festival officially kicks off next Wednesday with, um, our chill out, which is our big outdoor party. Um, and that kicks out, it kicks off, uh, 12 days full of different experiences that celebrate, uh, winter culture in the North. Um, so the great Northern was founded in 2017 by Eric Dayton, um, in partnership with with three founding partners, the City of Lakes, Lopet, the St. Paul Winter Carnival, and the U.S. Pond Hockey Championships, um, and he wanted to find a way to create density during this part of the calendar that um, is so cold and mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, makes people kind of afraid to come to the Twin Cities. Um, you know, we we are often um, promoting Minnesota in the summer as such a paradise um, for a place to visit, but We often kind of apologize for our winters and Eric really wanted to change that. So in the years since then, um, the Great Northern has added more and more of its own unique programming that falls under five different pillars. Um, And those are music and performance, public art, um, outdoor and active, food and hospitality, and then ideas. And that's where our climate series lives. So throughout our festival, um, we have lots of different outs and archers events that have this climate thread. Um, our goal, our overarching goal is to get people really excited by and invigorated by what the, the winter weather gives us. Um, and then motivate them to help preserve it. Because as we have seen this year, um, climate change is really impacting the winter weather that makes this place so unique. Um, A great example of that is that the Luminary Lopit, one of the most magical nights of winter, something that a lot of people look forward to, they had to postpone for a couple of weeks because the ice on the lake was not um, uh, thick enough to sustain the thousands of people that usually go out there. So our winters are getting severely impacted by climate change. And we want to just bring awareness to that. is that,
0: Is that climate change message then infused in all of those pillars or is it sort of set aside as itself?
1: No, it's definitely infused in a number of our different pillars. A great example is um, an art installation that we're doing in downtown St. Paul called Our Common Home. Um, So it's a public art uh, digital interactive installation told in four different chapters. And those chapters all have a theme about humans' impact on the environment. So we're using, um, we like to use the arts as like an entry point into the climate discussion. Um, there's, there's a lot of people who aren't going to go to a climate series and sit through a bunch of panel discussions, but they will, they will you know, watch a movie or um, enjoy a music performance or a dance or whatever. Um, and that can be their way in through people's hearts and, and minds.
0: That's what I was thinking when I looked at the um, at the lineup, because I I gravitated towards something. My husband gravitated to something else. Friends that I've reached out to have gravitated to other things like, you know, it's there's something for if you want, if you have like this intellectual curiosity or you want to go to a dance party or you want to try a sauna or a cold plunge or you want to try some food from other cultures. It just seems like there's sort of something for everybody.
1: Totally. And we, t- we talk about that a lot about how, um, you know, we are creating easy access points for folks to come in and then maybe they get curious about what else that we're providing and they can discover more um, about our climate message or about, you know, winter culture here in the Twin Cities um, that can get them, you know, converted into somebody who cares a lot about yeah. the climate issue.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, reading on your website, you know, it, it had said that um, this festival is being compared to South by Southwest, yet the sub-zero version. I'm, I'm sure you've heard that a thousand times because it's just such a like a cute way of thinking about the festival. Um, what makes the Great Northern Festival um, different, though, than like a South by Southwest?
1: Yeah, we are completely homegrown. That's the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, in uh, for South by Southwest, a lot of um, a lot of the acts are being shipped in from elsewhere. We are creating programming that is uh, is born here and speaks to this place to this season. Um, you know, we're, we're also bringing in a lot of people from out of the state to um, to talk to us about their experiences, what they've learned. And we want this to be kind of like a hub of learning and, and growth and celebration of winter. Um so I think that's the major difference is, is how much celebration there is of what is here that people mm-hmm. might not already know about
0: so we're looking to our own resources and our own people and the experience, and then it's like the authentic voice
1: right right yeah. And, and yeah, and so it and it's two ways it's it's not just us being insular and looking at ourselves, it's bringing in people from elsewhere to um to help grow and expand those conversations. And also the conversations that are happening here then move on to else other places as well.
0: Yeah. So another thing that I noticed in the lineup is like this isn't your typical kind of Norwegian, Scandinavian festival like you would think of, you know, that stereotype of the Midwest. It really does, you know, it's expansive. And I'm just wondering if you could talk a little bit about that.
1: We are very intentional about um, including multiple perspectives on winter that like you said go beyond that typical scandinavian slavic um, background that is so prevalent in the twin cities because we are in the twin cities so much more than that um we have a a conversation during our climate series um with C. speller and gabrielle ew carter about cultural food adaptation um we have so many immigrants and uh, you know, second generation, first generation immigrants to the Twin Cities from places that are so much warmer than here. Mm-hmm. How do they, if they wanna maintain their, um, their ties to the cultural food that they grew up with, um, but the plants that they use with that food, they just don't grow here, what do they do? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what that conversation is going to be that's about. Nice yeah that's um, another cool. example is um ashwini Ramaswamy's invisible cities um ashwini is a uh celebrated Bharatanatyam classical indian dancer mm-hmm. um, and she came to us with this idea for a dance performance that was inspired by italo covino's book invisible cities um and in that book marco polo is um relaying to genghis khan um, stories of all of his travels, but they're all being told through the lens of his experience as a Venetian. Mm-hmm. So, Schween got the idea for this performance um, that kind of speaks to you know this this experience of a city that um, you know is is being molded by. The immigrants who move here and is molding them in turn. So she's working with three other dance practitioners who practice Gaga, African diasporic, and break dancing, oh, and she's cool. going to create a dance conversation where she will, you know, those those different dance forms will be um, will mirror her form and interpret them in their own ways among these uh, live digital animations illustrations from uh, Syrian American artist, Kabork Murad. And I'm doing a terrible job explaining this. But
0: no, I, got, I get it. I get it. It's we've got, um, really amazing. we've got some video
1: on our website. That's really cool to see um, and, and does a better job of conveying what this experience is going to be like, but it'll be at the Cole center on the 27th and 28th and is available by, by streaming too, for your, any audience members who don't live locally here.
0: Okay. So then it um, the, sounds like the festival itself has, Indoor and outdoor components. Mm -hmm. So if you are, you don't want to be out in the cold, you have, there are plenty of opportunities to still experience the Great Northern Festival, but do it indoors.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Our, um, our full climate series is going to be, um, at the American Swedish Institute over the first weekend of the festival. That's all indoors. Um, we also have lots of different arts and music performances. Like we have a, um, a chamber orchestra performance called 10,000 birds that will take place at the contemporary galleries of Mia. Um, -hmm. and it'll mimic birdsong throughout a day. Um, So that's going to be really special and spectacular. I highly recommend attending. Um, But yeah, there's lots of opportunities indoors. And if you want to go outdoors, our best opportunity this year is probably our sauna village.
0: Yeah, tell us about that. That looks so incredible.
1: Yes, this is our first time putting this on. We're working with Stokeyard Outfitters. And um, we have 18 different sauna structures that we have at um, we're going to have at Malcolm Yards starting on January 26th and going through February 5th. So there's multiple different ways to experience the sauna village. Um, you can book one of the sauna structures as a private rental. If you just want to have an experience with like a bunch of friends or coworkers, um, that's an option. We have something called Open Steam, which I'm really excited about. So for $40, you can um, go for 90 minutes and experience any of the 18 different structures and the cold plunge baths um, and just go from one to the other, whatever you feel like. Um, And then we have some guided experiences and that includes um, AFGUS, which is where and I'm probably not pronouncing that correctly, but where they have the the towels that are like uh, distributing steam in the sauna. We have a special um, music for saunas experience where a Quebecois Québécois, uh composer named Carlis Coverdale created music specifically for the sauna experience inspired mm-hmm. by the different elements at play with the sauna. Um, so it's going to be super fun. It's like I said, our first time doing it. And we're really, really excited about it. And then um, on February 5th is our closing night party at Malcolm Yards. And we have an outdoor screening of Moonage Daydream, which is the David Bowie biopic. Um, and the sauna village will be open during that time as well. So you could, you could, uh, book an open seam experience and watch the movie from inside Asana, which will be really that
0: cool. That sounds <laughs> incredible. Yeah. Talk about like melding senses. My goodness. Yeah. So <laughs> cool. So how, how do you think of all these things? I mean, tell me about, you know, like how many people are involved to put this, I mean, it's a lot, you're all over the city all of these different experiences. I mean, how do you pull an event like this off?
1: So it may surprise you to learn that we have three full-time employees. (laughs) I I am one of them. Um, And then as we get closer to the festival, we ramp up with different um, contractors, contract producers, um, people who are helping us with PR, people who are helping us with like artists, itineraries and things. But um, our artistic and executive director, Kate Nordstrom, is um, a powerhouse, world-renowned curator. Mm -hmm. Um, And she is the one who's driving a lot of our programming. Um, She's also... Unique in that she loves to partner with other organizations. Um, and she believes that, you know, we can accomplish so much more working together than we could on our own. Um, so I've I've worked for lots of different arts organizations in the past, and that's not oh That's pretty atypical, actually. Um, there's a lot of organizations that prefer to just do their own thing and hunker down in silo. Mm-hmm. She is the opposite of that. So um, we've got partnerships with Mia, with the Cole Center, with Northrup, with. Um, uh with minnesota orchestra and on and on and on and on so um it's it's a mixture of you know some organizations already have programming during this time that we can just bring under the umbrella of the great northern and and use our promotional muscle to you know get people out and enjoying it. Um, a lot of the ideas we're, we're developing ourselves and like reaching out to folks to figure out how to put it together. Um, there's a lot of people who are coming to us. Uh, for example, Shwini came to us with this idea for invisible cities. Um, John from Stokeyard uh, came up that had this idea, this dream for this giant sauna village that could take place during the Great Northern. And we're then figuring out how to make it work. And it's, it's the partnerships that really, give us the resources and the bandwidth to make that work with such a tiny team.
0: Mm -hmm. Such a Midwestern way of doing things. I mean, you know, really pulling together and, you know, creating community. My sister-in-law is featured in the film um, about the Arrowhead 135 um, next, not this Friday, but the next, um, because she's a ultra endurance cyclist, a fat biker, and she's headed to the um, Iditarod The Thousand Mile coming up here soon. But a lot of times, you know, it's been me seeing how, you know, a filmmaker will take a story about nature and bring it into something that allows both outdoors people and people who might be more interested from a cultural perspective or an academic perspective, you know, everybody kind of coming together and finding, you know, something really beautiful so I love what is happening here this is really cool and I didn't realize how big the festival actually was and that you had so many partners
1: yeah we have um about 70 events in this year's festival and to your point you know we're really trying to um address the whole person mind spirit and body through festival events Um, I think a lot of times in winter, if you don't have that like family, um, yeah, you don't have like a family tradition of getting outdoors, and you don't know what gear you need, and you don't know what to do. Exactly. You know, you might be like inside doing um, a lot of reading, maybe a lot of TV watching, mm-hmm. things that invigorate your your mind, but you're not really activating your body. Um, so we're trying to like get people to have this full sensory, full body experience um, to get them really excited about winter. Mm -hmm. And once they get excited about winter, they're going to be like more, way more motivated to make sure that winter is around for their children, for their grandchildren. Um, and there's all sorts of studies that prove that that's, that's the way to get people into the climate conversation is, is to, um, connect it to love really like the things that they love and the things that they love to do. And, you know, if you say that, this thing that you really love and are passionate about might not exist anymore. And here's how you can like, make sure that it does. That's the way to get people motivated to, to affect change.
0: Yeah. I also was thinking as I was reading, you know, through the lineup and a word that we've never used on this podcast, I think um, is sexy. And (laughs) I would say that like the festival is pretty sexy, you know? I mean, you know, there's some very, you know, like, Typical kind of traditional kind of things that you would think of maybe for a winter festival. But then, you know, like the David Bowie movie, the saunas, you know, I mean, it's really cool and hip. And that's the other thing is that I feel like as we've been having more climate discussions and I think because of COVID, because people did go outside more. Um the outdoors has become a little more hip and looking at some of these old like sauna traditions and water traditions you know have have really come back um and people are really curious about it and kind of want to get involved so yeah sexy and i've said it like <laughs> times now so yeah um we have a lot of attendees that or we have a lot of listeners um to this podcast who have families mm-hmm. um We've talked a lot about here, you know, about different things. A lot of it sounds like maybe more adult-oriented. Are there things for families?
1: Yeah, so um, our common home, which I talked about, the, the outdoor um, art installation, I think that's great for families because um, it's interactive. So the different chapters... Um, that what you see on the screen will change based on your body movements. So there's one where you open your mouth. There's one where you move your arms and it creates the shape of an iceberg. Um, And it's gamified in this way that I think kids are really going to enjoy and respond to. Um, the, the choral or sorry, the chamber music performance at Mia, I think will be great for kids. I've got three kids myself, ages, um, two, five and seven. Um, so this is one where it's, it's like low stakes, uh-huh. um, because it's not seated. So like you can enjoy it and then kind of melt away if the kids become a little unruly. Uh-huh. Um, and I, and you can move around and you know, that's so important for kids. It's so yes. hard for them to like stay seated. Um, if your kids do like to stay seated though, we have, we also have a uh, family concert uh, in partnership with Menorch, uh or sorry, Minnesota orchestra, I should say their full name, um, that is going to be a winter wonderland family concert. On I believe the 29th. Um, oh, sorry. This is the perfect one. Uh, the Kidderod is happening oh, on the yeah. 29th as well. So that is uh, produced by YMC of the North, um, and it's a uh, I think it's a, oh gosh half mile race. Don't quote me on this. Okay. Um, that's meant to mimic the Iditarod race, and it's like an obstacle course, and they'll have oh, real husky cute. sled dogs for the kids to meet.
0: Cute. Yeah.
1: Aww. I also you have of
0: everything. Too.
1: <laughs> I also think Invisible Cities is great for kids as well, if if they're interested in sitting um, for a little bit longer. We have, um, okay, because we have something coming up on Sunday. That, this Sunday? Yes, okay. on the 19th. Wait, no, the 22nd. Okay. I should know that. It's my son's birthday. Um, <laughs> it's uh, with artist Satu Jones, who's a longtime practicing artist in St. Paul. And he came to us with this idea because in addition to being a you know very celebrated artist, he's a McKnight fellow, et cetera. Um, he's a big outdoors person and loves to ice fish, and um, he's been very concerned about the number of invasive fish species, mm-hmm. rough fish in local waterways. So he came to us with this idea of removing the fish via ice fishing, using a Japanese printmaking technique called Gyotaku to paint them with squid ink and then press rice paper on them to make like a, a, a fish picture. but a print, Uh um, and have it be like a celebration of the, the ecosystem's renewal. Mm -hmm. Um, so unfortunately because of the warm weather, we're not going to be able to do the ice fishing element, but there are a number of fish that have already been removed from the lake at Silverwood park. Um, so people will still be able to engage in the printmaking portion of it. We're working with your boyfriend, Anthony Taylor, um, to do, (laughs) to do, uh, there? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he will be there. No, I should some.
0: definitely get over to Silverwood Park <laughs>
1: <laughs> to do some fat bike races. I think we're going to do, um, some sort of sledding element as well. And to replace the ice fishing. Um, so it'll be, it'll be really fun. And like one of those really unusual experiences that uh-huh. you can only find at the great Northern. So cool. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. So there's
0: so much we can talk about. I still want, I have a couple questions though, about yeah. The piece, like the real, the I was, I'm drawn to every part of this, but I'm also, there's some really interesting talks like around climate mm-hmm. yeah. and ecology, and there's so many interesting ones, but I want to just bring attention to one that you, I had mentioned to you about um, the woman who has the, um, Katrina Spade, I believe her name is. Yes. And her thing is human composting Mm
1: -hmm.
0: can you tell us just a little bit about what who what she is or you know what she does and why you brought her to the festival
1: yeah so we are we are looking at um climate solutions from all different angles um we have a we have a conversation about the power of the youth voice and then we've got this conversation about um End of life care and how to do that sustainably so we're, we're really covering the full spectrum yeah. here um so you know i and I, i'm not an expert in this space by any means but um there are a lot of things that people have a tradition of doing to bodies at the end of life you know um there are some people who have a practice of embalming bodies and that's you know pumping them full of chem- chemicals and then putting that body that's full of those chemicals into the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of people who do uh, cremation, and that creates a lot of carbon pollution in the atmosphere. So, um, Katrina Spade and other folks who are for, who are in this line of work um, are looking at greener methods of and of end of life care. Well, okay, I shouldn't call it end of life care of of um, what to do with your body when you die okay. <laughs> Stop making a euphemism um so you know it's it could be something as simple as making sure that you're buried in a shroud in a pine box that's going to all decompose mm-hmm. um, rather than putting yourself in in a in a metal box that's going to not you know easily decompose so yeah it's it's just a reminder that there are so many um, things that we do as humans that we just kind of take for granted yes. that we could always look at from a more sustainable perspective. And this this is one that people probably don't think about a lot and don't mm. don't like thinking about. I'm one of those people. Yeah. Um, but could make a huge impact, right? Like yes. enormous impact.
0: Yeah, yep. And I mean, I think that's what's, you know, so cool about this festival as well as you're bringing... Topics to the table that people don't think about or don't want to t- talk about or that are uncomfortable. Like mm-hmm. that's when I first heard about her and what she was doing. I was fascinated by it, and I told as many people as I could because I had never thought I had thought about the chemicals before, but I hadn't thought about actual, you know, incineration and like what that is doing to the environment. But but you are so right. I mean, everything we do like has some kind of consequence for our
1: environment. So totally. Okay, so last year we had a conversation with Maxine Beda, who um, is the founder of New Standard Institute, which is a think and do tank that is trying to create um, legislation to hold the fashion industry to account for the vast amount of impact Uh, that it has on the environment. So after hearing her talk last year, I... um, went to curiosity studio which is a new place on lake street to take a mending class because um you know there's all this greenwashing that happens with the fashion mm-hmm. industry but you know maxine actually wrote a book about the life of a pair of jeans from um farm to store to our bodies um and you know you can have a pair a garment made with organic cotton, but unless you know what happened to that organic cotton, cotton, eight steps down the road, it's probably not a sustainable garment, right? Because there's like all these chemical treatments that are happening. There's all this shipping there, whatever. So the, the, the thrust of that conversation was we should do a better job of caring for the things that we already have in our closets. And one way of doing that is by mending and darning. so curiosity studios offers those classes and we worked with lauren who's the the founder and owner to um, create these sewing circles that we'll have during the festival so during that the sewing circles you'll learn how to mend your clothing and you'll also hear Um, like a historical cultural perspective of how people have cared for their clothing over -hmm. the course of time. So it's going to be like a fantastic multi-hour conversation and um, practical seminar on how to, you know, change your practices.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I imagine, and so it's mending, it's just mending in general. So it could be mending your outdoor garments or, uh, garments absolutely, or you know, whatever, because, you know, the outdoor industry actually is, um, kind of a big polluter. Mm-hmm. A lot of us, you know, a lot of people don't, um, don't thrift for their things and are buying, you know, a new, the latest and greatest every year when, you know, really, if being stewards of the outdoors, um, we really should probably limit the consumption. And this mending thing sounds like a perfect thing. I have something that I'm thinking of right now. Um, and those are, there's multiple, multiple of those sewing circle events.
1: Yep. There's three different ones over the course okay. of the, the festival.
0: All right. Oh, so cool. <laughs> okay. So what do you want people to leave the festival with a feeling, a thought, a, you know, what, what, what is the goal of somebody walking out, um,
1: for, for you and your team? That's such a great question. Um, I think we're hoping that people find community. Um, I think we're hoping that people um come away with a sense of of what a magical place this is to live in, and um how lucky we are to be where we are um and we hope that people are inspired to like like I've been saying take action to preserve it and I you know personally, I would love for somebody to come away from the festival, having tried something new and unexpected for themselves. Um, I hope that they use, you know, whatever their comfort point is within the festival as a, as a launch point to try something new, you know, like try saunaing for the first time or try, um, try going to a music performance with, with music that you might not be familiar with, but you know, trust trust that our programming is of a certain standard and be willing to experiment. We have so many free events during the festival. It's a really low barrier to entry. Um, and you know, there, there truly is some something for everybody. Um, The other thing I will note is that as we are hoping that people uh, take advantage of the public transportation that we have here in the Twin Cities, um, we are working with Metro Transit on Chill Out, our festival launch event on January 25th, to provide um, a free bus or train ticket during that day to get to and from the event. Um, We also have a partnership with EV, which is an electric vehicle, uh, branch of our car to, to have a deal for folks who are experiencing the festival to, um, try an electric vehicle for the first time. Oh, that's Um, cool. Yeah. So there's, there's lots of different ways into this conversation. Like you don't have to be. You know the greenest person on earth in order yeah. to experience and enjoy and we hope that they leave the festival with a few ideas of of ways that they can um you know make small changes in their life or advocate for big ones um with their local state national governments
0: oh my gosh you this is I feel like we could just keep talking and talking and I feel like the layers would just keep coming out. I mean, even just the, you know, I haven't driven an elec- an electric vehicle before. Like that to me is, you know, to know that that could be an option just like it's almost like a little test drive or something for. Yeah, me. totally. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, so the dates again, um we're starting on uh January
1: January 25th is our kickoff event chill okay. out. Um, we have one event prior to, or a couple events prior to that. We have, a um, an artist conversation with Ashwini Ramaswamy, um, tomorrow night, Thursday night, and Majors and Quinn. Um, and then we have the safety Jones event on Sunday, January 22nd, but everything else is January 25th through February 5th.
0: Okay. Got it. Well, it sounds like anybody listening could get out there and experience this collision of outdoors, intellectualism, culinary experiences, movement, art, public display. Um, Like you've got it all. We have it all. You have it all. All right. So everyone, we recommend checking out the Great Northern Festival. Would that be the greatnorthern.com or org?
1: Thegreatnorthernfestival.com.
0: Okay. Check it out.
1: Yep. The great northern festival on instagram which is where we post a lot of like uh event updates and um we have a we have a robust blog that looks at our events from different perspectives um, you can find that all on our website or check out our instagram
0: yeah and it's real easy the um, website is really well done it's really easy to find what you're looking for I personally um, signed up for about 100 things today. So I'm super excited and so glad you could join us.
1: Well, thank you so much again for the invitation. This was Absolutely. really fun.
0: Absolutely. I'm sure people are definitely going to go and have fun out there
1: we do this for fun is supported by 515
0: productions a high-end video production business based in Minneapolis the website is 515 productionscom and did you know that Jody is also a health and wellness coach check out her website at jodygruen.com if you like this podcast we love your support please rate and review us and hit subscribe learn more about us at we do this dot com. As always, we welcome your questions and feedback. Email us at we do fun at gmail.com. We'll be dedicating future episodes to answering your questions. So let her rip, whether it's about gear purchases or tampons and IBS in the wilderness. We do not judge. We promise. We've been there, done that. Nothing is off the table. And thanks for listening.